You're listening to Pole Parlor, a fun, inspiring podcast for all those bewitched by pole dance. Each week, your Madam Crimson Minx has candid conversation with unique, engaging individuals from within and around the pole dance community. Pole Parlor is passionate about preaching creativity, soulful sensuality, and empowerment through pole dance. Welcome everyone to Pole Parlor. This is episode 8, Tammy Morris. I'm your host, Crimson Minx. On this episode, we have Tammy Morris. Tammy is a former exotic dancer and current fitness professional from Vancouver who has been pole dancing for over 20 years. On this episode, we talk about her history discovering pole and her adventures as an exotic dancer throughout the 90s, her experience having founded the Canadian Pole Fitness Association and opening her highly regarded pole studio, Tantra Fitness, and what it's like being a mother of three while running her business and remaining an influential figure in the pole dance community. This episode is super juicy, so without further delay, let's bring on Tammy. Hi, welcome Tammy Morris to the Pole Parlor Podcast. How are you today? Great. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, thank you for being with us. Uh, Let's jump on in. How long have you been pole dancing and how did you first discover pole? Okay. Well, these are loaded questions. So um, (laughs) take take as much time as you need. (laughs) Well, if I tell you how long I've been pole dancing for, it's really going to give away my age. But um, I have been pole dancing for, oh, 20, 20 years at least. So maybe 21. Eight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Very, very young. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. How did you first discover pole? Well, um, you know, it's funny because I, um, you know, I had, I I had different plans for myself, of course. And, um, I come from a family of five and, and, uh, uh, I was the only, you know, child that went to, uh, university. So my parents had really big hopes for me as well, (laughs) but, but I, um, I worked in a strip bar while I was, um, going to school. So, um, well, it actually kind of goes back from that. <laughs> I'll tell you the whole story. You want the real story? Yes. Do you want the unedited story? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, growing up, I had a very flat chest. So oh I always said to myself, as soon as I get any money, I am going to buy myself some boobs. And so when I, when I decided to go to college, I took out a student loan and of course then I had a bunch of money. And so I used that student loan and I bought myself some boobs. And so I actually had to work like three jobs through, um, college and university. (laughs) Um, and one of those jobs happened to be in a strip bar because it was really, really good tips. So especially with my new boobs, I got lots of tips. So, um, That was kind of my exposure into that world because other than that, I mean, I'd never been to a strip bar. I'd never even thought about going to a strip bar. I grew up in a very small town that, you know, didn't even have a nightclub, let alone a strip bar. And I just remember, you know, um, watching these girls and you have to remember that's like back in the, in the nineties and I'm watching these like amazing, amazing women that are like walking on their hands and doing backflips. And, and back in, at that time, especially here in Canada, mm-hmm. the strippers were like, they were gymnasts. They were like amazing. They were really? professional dancers. They were like, they would, they were very well known. I think around the world, even today, the Canadians are kind of known in the strip industry as being, you know, really entertaining. 
Um, so I remember just watching them and being amazed and they would come out and they would like dance for 15 or 20 minutes and then they would go back to their hotel room and they were making like, they were just raking it in. So I was really intrigued by it, but I obviously didn't want anyone, uh, you know, I, I, again, I come from a small town, so I didn't want anybody to know, you know, that I was interested in doing this. Um, and so as soon as I kind of, I took criminology, as soon as I finished, um, I remember in the strip bar, there was a, a contest and there were there was agents there and one of them was a female. So I felt comfortable going up to her and asking her some questions. And she said, you know what, if you're nervous about bumping into anybody that, you know, I can send you to Japan. I can send you to Greece. You can try it out there. So I went from being a starving student because I'd spent all my money on boobs, (laughs) working my way through to going to Japan, just packing my bag and going to Japan and starting to dance and making, you know, hundreds sometimes you know over a thousand dollars a night in japan there so there were agents scouting this 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 must have been a really good strip club um well no you know it was the agents that booked the strip bar but because there was a competition there the agents were they they were all there judging it was like a miss nude canada or miss nude you know what i mean so the agents were there and they were judging and they were obviously you know just looking at the girls and stuff and so it was an opportunity to talk to somebody about it and wow. me being young and, and foolish and apparently totally invincible, packed my bags and jumped on a plane to Japan by myself. Wow. That's impressive. Go, Good for you. Yeah. To go and give it a shot. And I think, you know, everything in the universe has really lined up for me because even then I worked in a club that opened at seven, but no one would ever come till nine. So all I did for two hours was learn how to pull dance. There was just like, you know, 10 to 15 of us girls waiting for customers playing on the stage, teaching each other how to do tricks. And, you know, so I really got to, to learn. So then when I actually came back to Canada and started being a feature dancer, I already knew all these pull tricks. And, you know, again, this is back in the nineties where, I mean, I did an iguana, which was like a, Ooh, like everybody was, was amazing at the, uh, you know, at that pull move, let alone the stuff, you know, the bar is, is like massive now. It was, it was very low at the time. Oh, but still, yeah. I mean, who would even think I've actually, um, on YouTube, some of my favorite pull videos are strippers at strip clubs before customers come in filming themselves doing crazy things on the pole. So, (laughs) Exactly. I mean, (laughs) I started in the time when there was no YouTube. How awful is that? But (laughs) it's true. It may have been a better time, but who's to say? (laughs) It's true. That's cool. Okay. So then you decided, you know, you got your um, degree and you said, to hell with that. I'm traveling. This is fun. I love it. Well, the first year I was like, okay, this is field study. (laughs) Kind of maybe blamed on that for the second year. But again, going from a starving student to all of a sudden making this money. I'm like, well, okay, you know, one more year. I'm going to do it for one more year. I'm just going to save up some money. I'm going to do it for one more year. And then before I knew it, you know, it was a career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when, so you stayed an exotic dancer, you traveled. Um, Everywhere. Went to, worked in Greece, worked in London, worked in um, New York, you know, just traveled all around um, dancing. And, and, you know, I don't, I definitely don't, you know, regret anything. It brought me to where I am now, but I mean, even just, you know, the culture and everything, you know, it's, it's amazing to, to see the rest of the world and have that freedom to, to, to dance a few nights and make money and then 
travel these countries and it was amazing. Yeah. And your, your twenties is the time to do that. So good for you for (laughs) getting it paid for. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And then, so at what point did you transition from an exotic dancer into the fitness world? Well, I was approaching my best before date, (laughs) (laughs) which, (laughs) yeah, well, in the, in the exotic dance industry, it's about 30, right? That's, that's kind of where the, the kind of the cutoff is after that you're clinging on for dear life. But, um, you know, I started to kind of reach that, that age and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, and I had, um, <laughs> again, this is the, this is a moment where I'm like, should I tell her the tell truth? Us everything. <laughs> tell us the truth. Tell us everything. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I was working in a very popular nightclub here in Vancouver and there was a very famous person that came in. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just doing my, my job. I was dancing, I was having fun. I partied a lot back then, you know, so a bunch of us went over to the said person's house and there was a few movie stars there and we were having fun. And of course the paparazzi were following them the whole time. So, you know, they were following, they were taking pictures of us, you know, there was, you know, they knew what was up before, you know, it wasn't like I went and kind of leaked anything. The next day when I went to work, there was paparazzi at my work taking pictures, you know, mm-hmm. Portia was my stage name and they were like, Portia, you know, we already know the story. Talk to us, talk. And I refused to talk to them. I refused, refused. I didn't say a word to them. And for a week, I mean, it's really crazy what they do. I mean, they, I would go home at like two or three in the morning after work and there would be paparazzi in my underground which was secured underground parking I had no idea how they got in there and they would chase me and they literally harassed me um like every I would go to eat at a restaurant I'd look around and I would see them sitting watching me trying to listen into my conversations and finally one of them was like listen I'll never I'll never forget his name was Alan and he was like listen we already know the story we already have it we have pictures of you entering, leaving. We, we've talked to all the people there. We know the story. You can either have some sort of control over what goes in there and you can tell us your version and we'll pay you money or, um, you know, we're just going to write it as is and we're going to put your face in there because you're a public figure. So there's nothing you can do about it. So when they put it like that, I was like, okay, well, let's have a chat. <laughs> and, uh, I would have made the same decision. <laughs> yeah. It seemed, you know, it seemed logical at the time when you're presented that information like that, but what they really do is they take, you know, they take a half an inch and they stretch it into a mile. So they're really just, you know, looking for more information, but they just don't believe everything you read in the national Enquirer. Let's <laughs> just say that. Yeah, because... Not known for the highest integrity of journalism. No, no. They say things <laughs> they go, do you think he'll remember that night? And of course, I, like, of course he'll remember Doesn't that night. Doesn't seem to have amnesia, yeah. And then it comes out, um, Tammy says that he had a night that he will never forget. <laughs> it's like, I didn't say that like that. <laughs> so, yeah, so... First, yes, don't believe everything you read in the Enquirer. Yeah. But second, because this is Googleable, can we just yeah. say who this is? No, do we? <laughs> yeah, okay, never mind. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Do you mind? <laughs> no. Okay. It, it was Ben Affleck when he was dating J Lo. <laughs> yeah. 
and it was a long time ago and you know yeah, that's in the that's in the past but it is so but you know what no that so, is major deal probably in your life just so you people understand like that was a life-changing to be totally. thing to be thrown into the the public eye like that and having paparazzi surround you who yeah. even knew paparazzi were in vancouver see this is another thing they were following him they right they were him, following yeah. him because he was big news at the time yeah. and as soon as i agreed to talk to them again this is the crazy part like as soon as I agreed to talk to them they had me on a plane to Hawaii within 24 hours I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody my phones were like on surveillance because they know they they really stretched the truth like I never even kissed him I was you know we went over to a house we were doing lap dancing we were drinking we were just partying and you know there was some debauchery going on but it wasn't you know what I mean it wasn't what they were there was you know really nothing but, you know, in that article, it turned into like, I was all of a sudden his lover and that just wasn't the case. And so they really monitor you because they don't want, you know, first of all, they don't want anyone from his team of people getting a hold of me to tell the truth because then their story is totally, you know, yeah. um, ridiculous. And then it's out there that it's ridiculous. So, um, it, it was, it's a really crazy thing. And they had me in Hawaii and they had me in like a really beautiful hotel and they kept me there for like two months until I basically said, like, I don't want to be here anymore. I, I need to talk to my friends, my family. I need to get out of here. I was really mad at the time. But now that I look back, I call it my divine intervention, right? Cause I was partying a lot and I was yeah. dancing. I was like, you know, almost 30. I was like near my best before date, <laughs> as I said, <laughs> And this really forced me to do something different with my life. And there's no other place to to find yourself than in Hawaii. Yeah. It was beautiful. So. It was. It was absolutely beautiful. So I literally was like, you know, obviously I lost my job yeah. at the club I was working at because I talked to the paparazzi and it was a huge no-no. Um, they kept all my costumes, they, whatever, but I had been paid a little bit for the story. So I, um, <laughs> so I just, uh, you know, I took a year off and I, and I decided what I was going to do and wow. partied a little bit more and then realized, oh my gosh, I actually have to do something. So, you know, it was too late for me to go back into the, the criminology stuff. I mean, how do you integrate back into society after being a stripper for 15 years? And that's really, you know, <laughs> I guess I got a lot of customer service. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I would either have to re-educate myself mm-hmm. um, because there was no way I was going to go and be a waitress or, you know, and, and no disrespect to waitresses or anything. It's just, you know, wasn't something that I saw myself doing. So I, um, I decided, actually, I think I was watching TV and there was an Oprah Winfrey show and it showed, um, oh, why can't I think of her name right now? Um, X Factor, uh, Sheila, Sheila Kelly. Mm-hmm. It was doing lessons down in LA. And I thought, are you kidding? Really? Did Oprah get on the pool? Oh, I don't remember now. <laughs> That's irrelevant. Sorry, that just popped in my head. Anyway, so you saw. <laughs> so, you so I saw this and I thought, wow, it's interesting. And, and um, you know, I, uh, I'm sure that most people know who Fanya Monday is. And Fanya and I, well, actually, Fanya Dietrich. I'm not sure what she goes by now. But for those who um, don't know, she's um, in out of Las Vegas, and she was um, originally a stripper as well. And she founded the first pole studio um, in the United States, I believe. Yeah, she didn't have a pole studio here. So, um, yeah. um, but we um, 
I've known Fanya way before the pole dancing industry ever happened. Um, she's also from Vancouver Island, where oh, I'm from. I didn't so, know that. Okay. yeah, so we knew each other like as exotic dancers um, together on the island. Actually, she gave me uh, my first private lesson before I started really dancing. So, um, yeah, so we've been friends for like ridiculous amounts of years. So it's kind of neat how both of our paths have taken the same. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, I'm like, I ramble so much. I forget where I'm going. How'd you get into the fitness world? (laughs) Right. I think you're saying that you just figured out. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, so yeah, so I, I'd also known Fanya. So it was someone I connected with after I saw that and we had talked and we had considered opening a pool studio here together. Um, because I thought, you know what, I I still have some money left. I open up a little studio, put some poles in it. You know, I was always well known in the exotic dance industry as being, you know, one of the top exotic dancers and, you know, being able to dance really well and having some pole tricks under my belt. So I thought, you know what, I'll just, I'll give it a shot. You know, what's, what's the worst thing that can happen? It doesn't work. I can always go back to dancing for a little while longer, get some more money, you know, or do whatever. But you know, what, what do I have to lose? I, like I said, I've always been like, you know, kind of reckless like that. So Fanya decided to, to move to the States and go a different path. So then I opened up a studio in like 2004. So it was officially the first studio in Canada. I know that Aradia Fitness was teaching out of other studios right at that time, but I decided to open a, a standalone studio. Okay. <clears throat> and within six months, I grew out of that tiny little space. Within six months, it was really crazy. So I actually had to, to break my lease and move to a larger location. Oh, wow. And, yeah. um, well, Oprah has powerful pools, so I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was a really hostile environment back then, though. Well, was, yeah, that was going to be though, one of my questions. Like, yeah, what? even though there was there seemed to be a demographic of people that were very open that obviously filled my studio. When I started to do kind of some grassroots marketing and getting out there and talking to people and and handing out my card, and especially with um, being in the news and in the national choir and stuff, I think that people obviously, you know, then view, I think one person actually, I went to give them my card and they were like, I don't want a card from a home wrecker. And I was like, um, they weren't married. <laughs> no, person. <laughs> no, exactly. And you know, again, don't believe what everything you read yeah. in the Inquirer. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, too. But that aside, even just you know, even just just getting people to come there, they'd be like, well, why would I want to come and take pole lessons? I don't want to be a stripper. And nobody kind of understood. Um, and so that kind of started my plight to be an educator. You know, I really just wanted to get people to come in the door and try it because I knew if they tried it, the outcome was always, oh my gosh, that's such a good workout. So, you know, I just, I really just wanted to break down that association and break down, you know, how people thought about it. And it was years and years and years of just, you know, hammering away and trying to educate people and trying to get people to accept it as a, as a sport. Like even the first day I went to Lululemon, I remember when I first opened and I was like, Oh, I just opened a dance studio. Can I leave you some cards? And they're like, Oh yeah, of course. Took my card, looked at it and then looked back up and went, Oh no, I don't think that, you know, this is the right place for it. And I remember turning out of there and I was like, one day Lululemon will accept me. And <laughs> years later, I was an ambassador for a Lululemon. Nice. <laughs> and they had a giant picture of me on their Robson Street store doing a pull move off a lamppost. Nice. <laughs> I was like, success. 
<laughs> so I've always been like, you know, I've always been really spoiled all my life. And I think that's actually been a positive thing because I don't take no for an answer. I know if I just, you know, kick and scream hard enough and loud enough that eventually I'll get what I want. So yeah, with lots of work too, <laughs> because yeah, it seems around this time you started entering into competitions and competitions started to arise and you were um, in the first world pole sports competition in Amsterdam, right? I was, I got, I don't know even really how, because YouTube wasn't really big yet. Okay. And so I got a phone call from this guy named John. <laughs> He's like, you know, we've got this competition. It's a world pole championship. It's going to be amazing. And this is the direction that everything's going. I guess he probably looked online and tried to find anyone in the industry. Right. And what year found- was this? Sorry to interrupt. 2005. Okay. So right after year after you opened Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So I think that's how he found me. And so, uh, he wanted me to compete at the worlds and I thought, yeah, this is going to be great. So that's when I went to Amsterdam and competed, um, against Pantera and Ryko from Japan and uh, Alina Gibson. And it was the first glimpse at like, wow, there's like a whole, there's others out there. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really cool. And my first exposure to other people doing different moves. And, um, I remember Alina Gibson, she came out wearing like a tutu and, and point shoes. Oh. And it was like amazing. She did this amazing, amazing show and then ripped the tutu off actually, which is why she got disqualified. But, oh. um, she deserved to win because she, she was amazing. So yeah, and Pantera. I mean, I mean, I think my jaw dropped on the ground to see yeah, that people amazing. were, yeah, to this day. So, yeah, that's for me, that's how it all began. And then you've gone on to do countless competitions, right? Like, I know that you've won a lot of titles. Well, in the exotic dance industry, I have won over 20 oh, championships, wow. but those are all like, you know, Miss Nude Canada, Miss, you know, Miss Nude Entertainer of the Year. Most of them start with a nude. <laughs> <laughs> that, so that is still a title as far as I'm concerned. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After getting first runner up in the, the worlds, um, I, I I didn't compete anymore because I actually had the organizer ask. Um, he was trying to actually get the competition spe- spread out and get competitions in all the countries, and he said, "Well, do you want to run one in Canada?" Um, if you do, you can't compete anymore. So at that point, it was like, "Do I want to be a competitor?" you know, I'm a little bit older to get into the game at this point, or do I want to own the competition? I'd rather own the competition yeah. and build a platform for the young pole dancers coming up. So then I started the Canadian pole fitness championships and the Canadian pole fitness association, which again, then lent to me, you know, um, educating people and establishing some standards because that, I mean, that was the biggest thing is once we started to see other studios pop up all over the place, um, the, you know, the, the teaching standards were, you know, all over the place. There was no standard, right? And I'm sure even to this day, it's very difficult. There's different associations trying to, you know, create standards, but, you know, how do you really enforce them? But yeah, so for us, say. we're just, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So the, so you started the Canadian Pool Fitness Association and with the intention of educating and to start creating standards. 
Yeah. And let me just go back a bit. So just before I opened my studio, I obviously, I did go to school again and I got my group fitness certification and I registered with the BCRPA and I took my fitness theory and, you know, because I took anatomy in, you know, earlier in, in college and stuff. So it came very easy for me. And then, you know, I decided to then become an educator in fitness and obviously apply that to pole and that's where I got really passionate about teaching it safely and effectively and progressively and all that other fun stuff. Wow. And so when you start and you start at this competition, were you met with um, any pushback along the, around that time? Because I know you said this was oh. around 2005, 2006. What was your experience? Oh, the theaters wouldn't even let us hold the competition in their theaters. We were denied from, we were denied from a casino. <laughs> like really? <That's> insane. <laughs> um, yeah. So we had the first one had to be held in, in a strip club. There was already polls there and they were happy to do it. And then I really wanted to get it out of there. So then we went into a nightclub and then finally, after we had some footage to be able to present to people and show them that this was a, this was a sport, this was not a bunch of strippers on a pole, um, which again, I'd mean no disrespect. <laughs> um, Two different things. Yeah. Um, then they, you know, we finally got into a theater. So we got into the Vogue theater. So that, that helped. But to this day, and I'm sure everybody in the industry still feels it, there's still those people that are just, you know, completely close-minded yeah. about it. Oh, but, yeah. You know, I got um, – I remember we started offering kids' classes, and um, I got a phone call from The View the, – not The View, the, the Talk. And they flew me out to L.A., and I was on The Talk with Sharon Osbourne no and Thea Ramini. And, yeah, and it was, you know, I was just – again, it was those things that you go into – and you are, you know, ignorant because you just don't know. I mean, I've never really been on a talk show like that before. Yeah. I'm like, oh, good. I'm going to represent pole and I'm going to like, I'm going to tell them how wonderful it is and I'm going to educate them. No, <laughs> no, they ambushed me. And it was, it was awful. Actually, it was like, you know, there's the guy and he's got the applause sign and everything they would say, he would hold it up and the whole audience would be cheering and like, you know, and then I would say something and no matter how intelligent it was or how you know, articulate it was, it was like he'd hold the applause sign down and nobody would say a word. So, you know, and it was like, Leah Ramini was like, there's no way I would allow my daughter to, to get on a stripper pole. And I was like, well, there's no way I want my daughter on a stripper pole too, <laughs> but I'd like her on a, on a pole just for fitness for, for dancing on. But I, yeah, I'd prefer that she didn't strip, but you know, and ex, you know, I don't have to explain to you or anybody else in this industry, the difference, but, you know, and because of my background, uh, I'm not afraid to say, um, that there is that, that part of it. And that part of it is awesome. And lots of women want to want that sensual part of it. And I don't think that it should be pushed aside by any means. Um, but for me now it's about embracing that and teaching people in a really safe, secure environment. You know, would I suggest that people do it for money in front of strangers? Eh, probably not. <laughs> there's great things about it, but there's lots of negative things about it. So, yeah, that's something that 
you know, we've <laughs> talked about on here a lot, which is to like respect the history of pole dance and um, to know that it did come from strippers and strippers were the ones that started all of our first competitions, our first studios that taught us, you know, tricks and, and all of that. But I don't think there should be any confusion that because you're a pole dancer, you're qualified as a stripper as well, because there's the reality of that. There is, um, you know, private dancing, that there is nudity, there's things like that, that just aren't part of, um, you know, pole dance as, contemporary pole dance um exactly as we're speaking to so you have to kind of respect that as well um i know i would never qualify for that and i give people a lot of credit that have that ability to be that free and open and um willing so it's a personal choice but totally they're different exactly (laughs) one derives from the other but it does not qualify you for the other correct no it's a great way of putting it absolutely yeah so we can Sharon Osborne who knew so Sharon Osborne actually she was the only one that was actually you know in her accent she was like no no I I get it I get it (laughs) she's not confrontational I loved her yeah but it was Leah Ramini that was really like Uh, sticking it to me (laughs) Who knows who that is? That's who cares. Yeah. And then I got a phone call from Dr. Phil's show after that, asking me to go on and do it again. And I was like, absolutely not. No, No, so you can make a fool out of me. And I actually don't get a word in edgewise, especially with him, because he's even more, he would get into my mind and he would like, he would mess with me. So I said, no. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you though, for, you know, Put, you know, just getting the, the conversation out there, it's a step. And it may not have been like a, a successful interview initially, but it did start the conversation and it did bring awareness. So in that sense, it was successful. So good for you. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So let's go back to your pole studio then. What's the name of it? It's, it's Tantra Fitness. And w- yeah. why did you pick the name Tantra. <laughs> You know, because I, again, right from the beginning, I didn't want to um, pull the wool over anybody's eyes, you know, and I know that Tantra is obviously has a little bit of a sensual connotation. It's mm-hmm. not tantric. Um, tantra is an energy okay. um, and it can be used in a tantric fashion, but it really is just an energy that you harness on the inside to help help control you or change you on the outside. And I really like the meaning of that. And I like the fact that it still sounded a little bit sexy because that's, you know, that's what it is for me. So, and again, you know, we have classes that are not sexy at all. We have classes that are, you know, age appropriate for anybody. Um, but I still wanted the studio as a whole to have that kind of, um, you know, that kind of sexier connotation. So, yeah. yeah, So I decided to go with Tantra fitness. Um, I like yeah. that. It's the blending of both. It's like the sensuality, but the athleticism involved as well. Exactly. Now, don't get me wrong, because you don't know how many emails we've had from like creepy guys. So in tantric fitness, this sounds awesome. Like, <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Learn your words, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, that's not what it is. Well, so, yeah. so you grew so you started it in two thousand four. Yeah. Grew out of your first space almost immediately. Yeah. What's so, yeah. And then after that, how many do you have now? And well, we moved into Gastown, which is, you know, right in the core of Vancouver. Um, and it just went kind of crazy from there because there's, it's really good exposure. I don't know if you've ever been to Vancouver, but it's, 
it's a, it's a very trendy area. So it gave us the exposure that we needed and it was bursting at the seams. So then we opened another studio in Richmond, which is about 35 minutes away. And then we opened another one in Vancouver, like 10 minutes from this one. And then we just opened another one in Burnaby. So we have four now. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. And so, um, it's a challenge in owning a pool studio. That's um, for sure. It's, you know what? And that's the thing I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm opening all these studios and I'm killing it over here because <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> Any other pool studio that knows, uh, you know, that knows how business is, it's not going to make you a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's other sources of revenue that we try and do. We have tantra tutorials.com, which is, um, you know, it's, it's, online lessons on when we have guests on there like Stephen Retchless and Natasha Wang. And so we brought in a lot of guests, Brandon Graham and they do tutorials for us. So that's another revenue stream. But I mean, for me, it's like you have one really great studio, you make some money from that studio. So I thought, Hey, well, if I can make a bit of money from one studio, <laughs> if I can have multiple studios and make a money from multiple studios, then hopefully that will be, you know, the bigger picture of, of where I want to be. And, so that's the whole point, but it's kind of an all in moment, right? So now I have four studios. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's tough. Do you have any advice for people who are thinking about opening their own studio? Oh, no, because <laughs> <laughs> do you know why? Because I went into it completely ignorant. Uh -huh. I, you know, I, I I'm not going to lie. I actually, um, I did own a business when I was younger, like between graduating from high school and going to college. Um, I owned a little surf shop, a little mm -hmm. store. So I've always kind of had a business intention um, and a business mind. So, um, but as far as like startup company, because I bought that business, you know, while I was working in it from someone else, it was turnkey. Um, I was totally ignorant. Like, you know, if somebody had said to me, look, when you open up your pool studio, you are going to work like, like, 20, you know, eight hours out of a 20, you know, four hour period, you, you are going to be the janitor, the marketing executive, you are going to be, you know, teaching classes, you are going to be working the front, you're going to wear every single hat, you're going to make less money than you probably ever made in your life. Um, oh, yeah, so you probably need another job to supplement so that you can pay the rent. I mean, I would have been like, okay, no, I don't think so. Yes. <laughs> um, but I had no idea. I just went into it and I was like, ah, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> you know, I still, I continue to dance at a different club for a while. Okay. So I would wake up in the morning, I would go market the studio, um, I would answer phone calls, emails, try and do some promotions, then I'd teach classes from like 5.30 to 9.30, and then I would go to the strip bar, and I would dance until 2 o'clock in the morning, and then I would do it all over again. So, you know, and, you know, even after years and years of owning it, it's, you know, it's never, I mean, like any small business owner, if you don't have passion, don't even bother, because... <laughs> Because I think as a pole studio owner, you that's what's going to carry you through. You have to love it. You have to be passionate about the sport, about, you know, everything about it. Yeah. Because we've had this conversation so many times on this podcast and it's like people <laughs> yeah. really in pole dance, they, at this point, it's still people are doing it for the passion of it. And it's totally. anyone who's getting into pole for the money is going to be really disappointed. <laughs> 
That's true. That's why I say that would be yeah. my only advice then. If you can make a little bit from one studio, copy it, open a whole bunch, and then hopefully a whole bunch of littles make a whole bunch of money. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. This, is what I'm, this is what I'm hoping for. <laughs> I mean, especially with, with three children. So I have three children. Yeah. I have a six-year-old, I have a two-year-old, and I have a seven-month-old. So I'm... <laughs> You know, constantly trying to find this balance. And it was amazing because I went to this like a uh, young business, women in business um, convention and this big CEO, she got up there. And the first thing she said was, look, it, if you are a mom and you own a business and you are trying to find balance, stop because you will never find it. And I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> You're not doing it wrong. It's just impossible. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, what has been the response? Have you had any experiences being that you are a prominent figure in the pole dance community and a mother of three? Have you know you had any responses to that? Have you had any issues or not really? You know, I don't think so because I think it's a lot about how you approach it as well, right? So I'm, you know, I'm really I'm super open about it, you know. So I'll I'll drop my little one off at school and I'll have a mom be like, Oh, wow. Yeah. So what do you do? Oh, I teach, I, I own a studio, a, a dance studio. Oh, what kind of dance? Pole dancing mostly. <laughs> you know, I'm not like, I'm not shy or embarrassed about it. Yeah. And I think that that you also how you kind of deliver that, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, even if it goes, the conversation goes as far as, wow, how did you how to, you know, know how to, to do that? Yeah. I have no problem with saying, Oh, as an exotic dancer for many years. Because he's refreshing. Well, yeah. And I just think that, you know, why be ashamed of anything? Like there's, there should be no point where you're, you know, I'm not ashamed of anything at all because I know I'm a good person and I know, you know what I mean? I, I'm a good mom. I'm a good business owner. Um, I mean, I guess I have to go back to, to my other, uh, um, piece of advice. <laughs> I'm not sure if you know this, but I have a business partner. Her oh. name is Winnie. She's actually, she's having a baby tomorrow morning. Oh, yes. Babies everywhere. <laughs> There's okay. babies everywhere. I know. Um, and Cold she, gets you laid. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens in this industry. I'm so sexy and irresistible. Um, I brought Winnie on as a business partner in maybe four, four or five years ago um, because of my decision to, to be a mom and start having a family and it just being way, way too difficult. So she is the best business partner that anyone could ask for. She's a workaholic. So if you're looking for a business partner, make sure they're a complete workaholic because <laughs> <laughs> that's all she does until of course she has her baby tomorrow and then things oh, might change. Goodness. But, um, wow. Good um, luck to her. Yeah. She's super helpful. Having a business partner is definitely super helpful. Oh, great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do your do your kids? Um, do you have a pole at home? Do your kids ever play on it? You know what? I don't even bother because I try and put my pole up at home, and then it becomes a fight, right, over who's going to go next. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My six year old and my it. yeah, and my two almost three year old are like, "It's my turn! It's my turn!" I'm like, "No, it's my turn! <laughs> go to your room." <laughs> so uh, kids yeah, are drawn I, to it. And, and naturals, like mm-hmm. really, I mean, um, on, on the blog, I did put, you know, I mentioned justice Haley, who is like a, the 11 year old. And I mean, that to me, like that, this is the future of where pole dancing is going. Yeah. I'm actually glad that I was, you know, in the game, like competition wise, when the bar was really low, <laughs> because I, don't, I don't think I'd want to be in it anymore. 
No, me neither. I couldn't. I couldn't no. hang. But yeah, she uh, for those she's referencing um, her blog interviews. So if you head over to um, pullparlor.com, you'll see uh, Tammy's uh, post podcast blog interview where she shares a lot of really cool like video and songs and photos. And yeah, so and also your inspiring image of this 11 year old girl doing I don't even know what the hell that trick is called. It was like this back bendy <laughs> on the pole. But reality is, I think that, you know, we, we can take the, the sexy and the sensuality out of pole dance, but it is naturally going to spread to something that is just, I would say, like, just pole fitness. And yeah. that's where I feel like kids belong. Mm-hmm. And they're naturally interested and they're, they're naturally gifted at it. So, you know. Well, it's funny because for me, my background is sexy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to this day, like I, I went into the, the UPA, they have the, um, oh, little competitions. Sexy. Yeah. And I, and I won in the sexy division. Oh, what year? <laughs> Two years ago. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I'm going to put yeah. that video in the show notes. I want to Okay. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Um, and so, I mean, that's my background, but even from the moment I opened Tantra Fitness, I really pulled the sexy out and it really, really focused on the technical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I stayed away from the sensuality. So, you know, at no point in my classes were we like, you know, touching our body and stuff. It really? was really about, you know, pulling down the lats and engaging the shoulders. And it was super, super technical body position and, you know, what muscles you're recruiting. And it was all that kind of stuff. And it was funny because of my background. Yes. <laughs> you wouldn't expect um, that. yeah, because I think because of that, I felt like I had to be like more professional. Mm-hmm. I had to be more articulate. I had to be more on time. <laughs> I had to be less sensual because I didn't want to, you know, really um, make people feel any certain way or feel, um, what's the word I'm like, intimidated mm-hmm. by me. Um, so it's funny because I really took that out. And then you saw other studios where the owner had never been an exotic dancer before. Their classes are full of like, touch your body, and, like, wear your stilettos. And I was so the opposite of that. But that just reminded me because you're right. Because even though I pulled it all out, it somehow just all comes back in. I was going to say, I see videos yeah. from your studio and there is sexy in there. So yeah, we produce some, we produce some sexy ladies. Yes. Uh, but I, you know, yeah, and I think it's just, but I mean, who, you know, what woman doesn't want to be, you know, a sensual goddess and, yeah. you know, so I think that's why pole fitness is here to stay because yeah. in those early years too, that's the, you know, that's what everyone kept asking me. Do you do you think it's a fad? You know, do you think this is the, like the next Tybo or whatever? The <laughs> And I was all, I always said, no, no, it's here to stay because it makes women feel confident, you know, and not just women. We, we accept men into the studio as well, but um, you know, it's, it's, it serves so many purposes, has so many different angles and different aspects. I just, I don't see it going anywhere. It's just growing and growing and it's taking over the world. Yeah. It's expanding (laughs) in all different directions. So you, if you just want the fitness, you have the fitness. If you just want the sexy, you have the sexy and studio owners usually have a um, balance of both classes. So yeah, you can take what you're interested in and like a lot of people combine them all. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, let's jump into the second part of the interview, the standard closing questions. Um, so 
Uh, first is who is, and you know a lot of people, it seems, and have danced with a lot of people, but who is your pole crush? <laughs> well, you know, you know what's funny? My pole crush is Stephen Retchless. Oh, and that's that, great. <laughs> you know, but he's just a beautiful person. He's very, <laughs> he's very and, handsome. I know. And he, it out, I'm sure. But <laughs> he is, and he, you know, he, um, we have a, we uh, had a float last year for Gay Pie Parade, and so we take part in the Gay Pride festivities every year. So last year, Stephen came and hung out with us and did oh. some demos with us, and so this year he's coming back again, and he is just so humble and he's so down to earth, and he's such an amazing pole dancer, and he's so beautiful, and I literally sometimes I'll just be looking at him when he's there and I'll be like oh my god he's so beautiful and I'm like how can I actually have these little kind of feelings about this 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 really gay man because he's <laughs> he's super gay and I well hopefully he's not insulted by that I mean he knows he's gay I think he <laughs> so, I'm, he's aware <laughs> <laughs> you know and then he'll talk and he'll flick his hair and I'll be like okay <laughs> I snap uh, out of it <laughs> yeah that's a good crush to have <laughs> yeah but he's he but he really is beautiful inside and out you know if he was like not humble or a little bit high on himself. I'm sure I'd feel differently, but he's really, he's a great person. So. Oh yeah. And very talented. He can, he does that balance of athleticism and sensuality really well. And his, his performances have like really high entertainment value. So he's really enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Cool. And so how would you like to see the pole dance community evolve over the next five years? Well, you know what? I, I like, where it's going, but I, you know, as someone who, so I'm the founder of the Canadian Pole Fitness Association, like I said, and within that, we have to be careful. So there's no stilettos allowed, you know, we have to be careful about removing the clothing. Um, and I, I like how that's going, but at the same time, I don't want it to get too stringent. You know, we just opened a pole art division. So I, at the same time, I would still love it that people embrace that sensuality. And I really do hope to see more um, showcases and performances and maybe even competitions where stilettos and sensuality is totally embraced. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's becoming more acceptable now. Yeah. And you're in the position to, to help make that change. So that's cool. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I want to, I want to spread you know, I want to make the world a sexier place yeah. day by day. I mean, I just think it will, will help with everything from like, you know, um, judgments to stereotypes to even, you know, the, the slut shaming and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that it will just, I think that everybody just needs to relax a little bit, you know, just because you put on a pair of stilettos and, you know, and you're confident about your body and your sensuality, it doesn't, you know, make you anything other than a wonderful, confident human being. I agree. Well put. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so do you have anything coming up that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, we, do you, you're, we said that your studio is Tantra Fitness. So you can look that up and um, any social media or competitions or I know you – don't you have like a another – are you involved with another competition in Vancouver – well, yeah. So, so we've got tantrafitness.com and then we've got tantratutorials.com mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I have the Canadian Pole Fitness Association. So we have the competitions all across Canada mm-hmm. and Tantra Fitness is then hosting this year, the, um, BC Pole Fitness Championships. Cool. And the winner of that will then go to the Canadian Pole Fitness Championships in Ontario. And the winner of that then goes to X-Pole's, um, 
the PCS series in Ohio at the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So lots to look forward to. Sounds like you stay really busy. (laughs) You know what? I, it's, I wouldn't want it any other way. Good. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, good. Um, Okay. And then on that note, can you leave us with an empowering message or quote or anything just to sign off? (sighs) Well, you know what? I think that, you know, obviously I still teach classes once in a while. And I think the biggest thing is that I find so many instructors and stuff and even students these days are so focused on, you know, watching YouTube and Instagram and, and, and copying and, you know, copying the Olga Kodas and the, and the, you know, um, I really am always trying to tell my students like, be yourself, you know, cause I think that's the biggest thing in this industry that I'm finding is that people are always kind of comparing themselves. And, and I personally, I try and stay off of those things, um, <laughs> as much as possible. Winnie's our social media guru. So I actually try and stay away from it. Gotcha. Um, because I don't want to be influenced too much because I don't, you know, I, I always tell people be the creators, don't be the followers, you know, create your own stuff and throw it out there. And, and, you know, before you know it, people will be watching your channel going, wow, how did you come up with that? So, yeah. you know, I think that's my biggest, my biggest thing I'm always telling to my students. I agree with that, with the, <laughs> with the understanding you have j- just the same ability to be creative and do something impressive as anyone else. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't be derivative. Well, I'm always saying that. I'm always like, just try it. Something will happen. Yeah. If it looks good, let's name it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything. I mean, it's so fun to look at that. It's a look online and be inspired, but there's a difference between being inspired and being um, just not feeling comfortable doing your own thing. There's, you know, there's a yeah. balance. So exactly. Great. Be your confident, sexy self. Hell Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Tammy, for being on the podcast. It was so fun talking with you. Thank you for being so open and um, (laughs) informative with us. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Pole Parlor podcast. Want more? Visit poleparlor.com for show notes and to link to the Facebook group where you can connect with other poleaholics and continue the conversation. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on the website, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Lots of love, babes. Thanks for listening.